0: If you're in the UK, good evening. If you're in the US or Canada, good afternoon. And if you reside in the land of the rising sun, Japan, a.k.a. Nippon, or Australia, good morning. Welcome to the Magical Wrestling Podcast. I am Mr. Isaacs.
1: And I am, of course, the Magician. And on today's show, we have, of course, the Magic Weekly. And of course, for our main event, we're going to take a deep dive into the nine lives of Vince McMahon. But first, in turn, let's see that intro, shall we? Bam! And of course, course, Saturday night again, uh, Mr. Isaacs, how's your week been?
0: It is good, my man. I am glad to be here, uh, ready for the Magic of Wrestling podcast. And I just have to say, whatever new intern queued up that intro did an amazing job doing it.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. We've obviously got a new intern on the show, so hopefully we get the uh, the videos played down to a very, very good tee, so we shall definitely see on that one.
0: That guy or gal deserves a raise. Really
1: oh, yeah, I'm gonna definitely. talk to Canada
0: Dry about that. Yeah, you watch much wrestling then or? Uh... I watched Raw and I watched Dynamite. I'm gonna be honest with you. I fell asleep early last night. I did not watch SmackDown. I did not watch Rampage. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to catch up a bit on those.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is one of them weeks where I have managed to watch some wrestling, but not as much as I'd like to. I watched Raw. I watched AW this morning. I've not seen SmackDown yet, and I've not seen Rampage, but, yeah, you're going to get them weeks where you're just going to be tired. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, this is kind of one of those weeks where I was just so fatigued that, like, I was just like, guys, I I can't do 15 hours of wrestling this week. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I just don't have it in me. I don't have it in me this week.
1: No, I think that's the thing. uh, When you think about it through the week, there's just so much wrestling, do you
0: know what I mean, to actually watch? Yeah, I mean, it's overwhelming. You know, like if you watch WWE and watch all their offerings, including NXT, if you watch AEW, then if you support anybody else, if you're an impact guy, if you're an NWA guy, you want to watch Natalia Markova, uh, MLW, New Japan on top of that. It's just not, po- I mean, it would literally be a full-time job watching wrestling if you could watch everything in a, in a calendar week. It's impossible.
1: Oh, yeah. It makes me wonder how Dave Meltzer does it doing all these things. He must literally just watch constantly. Do you know what I mean?
0: Well, I mean, it's his career.
1: <laughs> well, so, yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: If I could quit my job and uh, stay at home and, you know, I, I would invest the 60, 70 hours a week into watching pro wrestling to write about it and talk about it all day, every day. That that would be awesome. But uh, we, we all don't have that kind of free time that Mr. Meltzer does.
1: No, we do not. We do not. Right. So, enough rambling on. Let's get into our part one. We call the Magic Weekly. <laughs>
0: nope.
1: I do it every single week. Uh, so yeah, of course, this is the Magic Weekly where we take a deep dive into the what's been going on in the rest of this week. So I will hand you over to the effing Expert.
0: All right, so this week on the Magic Weekly I have a few kind of controversial things that we're going to talk about. I'm kind of curious to see what you have to say about it, what the community has to say about it. Number one on my list being the Seth Rollins comments on CM Punk. Now, had you seen this, Liam? Did you see any of these comments? I I did. I've only seen it briefly, though, so... Yeah, so there's a couple different things here. Um, He had a statement. I think he was talking to Nick Hosman of, uh, wrestling Inc. I think is where he works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was asking him something about, would you want CM Punk to join WWE? And, uh, Rollins responded with quote, I don't like Phil. He's a jerk. Oh, did we just figure that out? We figured it out over there. Presumably it means an AEW. We knew it over here. I don't want him back. Go do something else. <laughs> now, Seth was on um, He was on a show this week uh, with Fox Sports Radio, and he kind of clarified a little bit, and I'll just read this little, uh, little blurb here. Mm-hmm. Look, the bottom line is it's the same thing as with Logan Paul. Punk and Logan Paul are two different personalities, but they're both as selfish as it comes, Rollins said. If you're not going to help, then I don't want you to be part of our industry. I don't want you to be part of our company. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> well, so I mean it, it's kind of interesting here because I mean the, you know what he's got going with Logan Paul obviously is going to be a kayfabe thing but he kind of mixes in the comments towards Punk which seemingly were a shoot. So what do you think about this, Liam?
1: Yeah, so I obviously I saw the comments where he actually clarified but I do believe at the end of that actual interview he did I said that he's got a lot of respect for Punk. So I kind of think this is kayfabe as well. Do you know what I mean? I'm I, originally, I thought this is like genuinely, you know, a bit of beef, but then to, just to read that last little comment where he said that I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of oh, I'm grateful for his career. So obviously uh, ring of honors, obviously
0: rings the bell there. What do well, you think? I, I, I've got it here. So let me let me read the uh, the last part you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I'll end it on a positive note with him. That guy has given my career so much that it pains me to have to say bad things about him because he helped me out. He really did. He's been a good guy to me for a lot of my career, but for whatever reason, the past maybe six or seven years, he's in a different headspace, and we're not on the same page. To see what he's done and taken and taken and taken, and it's always been about him. I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan. There's a place for him, man. He's got a lot to give. I just wish his head was in the right spot. That that was his ending comment about punk. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the thing is with Punk, uh, we spoke about this obviously on quite a few shows. I feel like he is a genuine nice guy, but I just think he's very outspoken. Do you know what I mean? He says what it feels. We know it's going to like upset a lot of people, but I feel like there's not many people in the wrestling world who does that. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a polarizing guy. I mean, he really is. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of got the old school mentality of, uh, you know, I'm the grizzled vet. Everybody needs to shut up and listen to me. I think as opposed when it comes to the shield guys, I think they all kind of have a problem with him mm-hmm. because he went on the, the famous Colt Cabana podcast and basically took credit for them. <laughs> yeah. Like if you remember that, he basically went on there and said, well, the shield was my idea. I created them. I'm the reason why they got brought up to TV. I wanted them to be this, but then they ended up being this. And I think they all kind of took offense to that. Like, like who the hell is this guy taking credit for what I'm doing? I was put on TV. I was given a gimmick. I got over. It wasn't because of this guy. You know, yeah, no, I, I've... yeah, Sorry, I, just... I fully, I fully
1: agree. Then I mean, I think Haney makes a valid point yeah. Would you agree with this? Punk is Punk a, nice, is a guy. nice
0: guy. If you agree with him, yes. <laughs> Punk is one of those guys that I think you're either gonna love him or hate him, depending on what he thinks about you. You know, if he thinks if he likes you then he's probably going to have a good relationship with you. Um, If he, for some reason, thinks you're not up to to snuff or whatever, I I think he's going to uh, lash out at you, uh, comment poorly about you, criticize you, what have you. I think he's just somebody that has a very tight circle of who he likes Mm -hmm. and a much, much larger pool of people he doesn't like.
1: Yeah, I think also the media doesn't help because, I mean, how many stars have we seen in AEW where – People's come out saying that Punk is a genuine nice guy backstage. Do you think this is kind of like the media
0: out blowing it in a way? Again, I think it's just that mileage varies with Punk. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people love him. I think a lot of people don't. I mean, I, I think who was it Jade Cargill that recently did an interview and said that uh, you know he he like like bought all of the uh, women of AEW like hundred dollar gift cards to Starbucks or something. <laughs> and was like always like willing to like teach her things and show her how to do things. So, I mean, there's people that have a lot of very positive experiences with him, and there's people that don't.
1: Yeah, Noob says, first John Moxley, then Roman Reigns, and now Seth Rollins, who really hate CM Punk when they say something about him on these interviews.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, the SHIELD guys, they've all kind of got an axe to grind with him because he kind of took credit for him. and I think they've always resented him for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got obviously a follow-up question for this. What do you think the future holds for Punk as regards
0: to wrestling? I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, I think it depends on a lot of factors. I mean, I think it depends on if he uh, continues to get along with um, uh, FTR and and those guys. If FTR comes back to AEW, you know, if he still has allies there, then maybe he'll show back up there. Um, If he can get along with the elite guys, maybe he'll stay there. I don't know. I kind of don't see him going back to WWE. I think it's going to be AEW or bust.
1: Yeah, I think I fully agree that. I think the bridge when it comes to WWE is completely just burnt there. I, I do think he's coming back with FTR. I would love to see that and feud with the, the elite. I think that'd be an interesting storyline because they obviously, the whole backstory of that,
0: I think it'd be great television, to be honest. I I think it would be white hot nuclear heat. And I think it would be awesome. And I think that if everybody wants to make money, they need to make this happen. (laughs) They need to put it aside, put aside all the petty differences, make this happen, and make the money. Absolutely.
1: Tony Khan, book it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Give me a call. You can hit me up right here, Mister Isaac's on Twitter. I'll write the damn thing for you. Just reach out to me and I'll help you out.
1: Yeah, Noob says I would have him retired because a lot of WWE wrestlers who really, really hate seeing Punk's guts. <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of just leads back to what we just said there. It's either AEW or Bus, but until because I do believe he's he's got like eight weeks left to
0: heal up. So I don't know what really what's the future's going to hold. Uh, we shall see, my man. I hope to see him back, but who knows? Definitely, definitely. Right, what else we got? All right. Uh, I don't know if you saw this on. Dy- I'm sure you did if you watched Dynamite. Yep. <laughs> MJS I did. promo about the car wreck, about how he was in this uh, this this car wreck because he was driving too fast after uh, a a girl, <laughs> underage girl, which I, presumably he was underage as well, was uh, doing something for him <laughs> when they were driving along, and uh, he hydroplaned and slammed into a telephone pole. And switched out his bloody girlfriend's seat with his so that she would get in trouble for driving fast. So here's my here's my question. Here is this a poor taste considering what just happened with Jay Briscoe a couple of weeks ago? I mean, the, the promo by itself was brilliant and funny, but I think timing wise, I think this was a very bad time to pull this story out. What do you think? No. No, I fully agree.
1: I think it is obviously bad timing. I mean, I the promo as you mentioned there I think was absolutely you know gold. I mean, MGF, we know the guy can talk, but <laughs> we, we know obviously what's just happening with Jay. I think it is bad timing. I don't I've not seen people obviously talk crap about it unless I've missed it on Twitter, but yeah, for me I think the timing really really sucks, but as the promo itself is absolute gold, i
0: will be honest. And see the, the, the part that you mentioned there about people not speaking out about this, this that's what's kind of bothering me here, mm-hmm. because I think that if WWE had ran an angle where they had discussed a car accident and some bloody car accident issue going on, mm-hmm. I think the Internet would have absolutely hammered them into the dirt. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason it's like MJF and AEW kind of got a free pass here. That, I don't know. That that doesn't sit well with me. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, there's obviously a lot of fans are really going to be pissed off about it, but I feel like if it was in WWE, I mean, if I don't know, I mean, when obviously storylines get run in WWE, I don't see many complaints with it to be honest. AEW which we spoke about it many times. It's still a new company, so I, d- I don't actually know to be honest.
0: Yeah, well, it it was an interesting timing, that's for sure. And th- and this kind of rolls into my next point of the Magic Weekly. <laughs> Do you want to? I that see how Alec he says it? that he stole it. Um, my understanding is this was based on a true story. This is like an actual thing that happened to MJF minus the swapping the girl out. <laughs> <laughs> like, MG... from from what i read he was really in a serious accident but that part of it was just embellished
1: yeah that mgf promo definitely got the internet to hate him big time he's biggest villain in wrestling since vince mcmahon in the attitude era well wait until you get to the main event then we'll talk about controversy but yeah go ahead
0: <laughs> so for the second part of this it kind of ties into it as well uh, police were actually called based on this mjf promo now i think this is absolutely amazing in 2023 you know we we are in the post kayfabe era in professional wrestling so i think this is absolutely crazy now it was reported at first that there were and this was apparently erroneous flooded with 300 phone calls Um, ESPN's Mark Raimondi subsequently shot down the reports, claiming that the fan outrage regarding the content of MJ's promo was greatly exaggerated. And then Brian Alvarez went on Twitter later and said, I don't know if it was actually 300, but absolutely 100%. They got a bunch of phone calls, Alvarez said on the latest Wrestling Observer Live. That's not a joke. A bunch of fans legitimately called the Nassau Police Department to report MJF. What do you think about this, Liam?
1: I mean, the guy's a heel. I mean, if if I know, I know there's obviously this timing and stuff, but the fact they got over 304 phone calls, I feel like MGF's done his job. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I think this is great. <laughs> I, I think this is absolutely great that, that K Fame is this alive in twenty twenty three because the what this harkens back to for me is the segment on WCW Nitro where The NWO just shows up and just starts beating people up backstage. And it was that episode with that famous visual of Kevin Nash picking up Rey Mysterio and launching him like a like a dart into the side of a trailer, (laughs) which which was a brilliant aesthetic. But uh, like people were legitimately calling the police to report that the nwo was there beating people up (laughs) and uh, that's what this reminded me of like this is great like if mjf can elicit this kind of kayfabe response from people i I think that's a great thing and i i I think that's a positive thing in wrestling What, what do you think about that
1: no, I think it is great, because I feel like when it comes to kayfabe, I don't think it's as popular as you know it is these days, so to see it go to this length, I feel like it's absolutely terrific, and I've got to give MGF credit, do you know what I mean? The guy's literally, <laughs> I think he has changed, when it comes to a heel, I feel like he's just changed the game so much.
0: Oh, he really has. I mean, he, he is a top-shelf heel, there's no doubt about it, he's the best in wrestling today. I know people for a while were saying The Miz was better now. I'm sorry. MJF no. is way better than The Miz now. There is nobody on his level on the microphone today. Um, I, I
1: agree yeah. totally. I re- absolutely fully agree there. And you know what? I cannot wait. Is it a boundary gone too far? I mean, when it comes to MJF, <laughs> who knows? <laughs>
0: Yeah. All right. Well, moving on here, we got one last part here, and I'm not a huge NXT guy nowadays, Mm -hmm. but uh, we wanted to talk about Toxic Attraction Mm -hmm. breaking up, and uh, what are your thoughts on this, Liam? to me, I feel like
1: it's a missed opportunity, and this actual incident we're talking about really actually pissed me off, because I'm thinking, what's the one division in WWE which needs a lot, a lot of work? For me, it's the women's tag team women's division. Tag. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean? You've got Toxic Attraction. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. They're still green, they're still new, but you've got a well-known tag team, do you know what I mean, that works so, so well together. I mean, and si- I, I knew, obviously, they were going to split up come vengeance, but Hey, did you see the botch? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah I, I I saw the botch where I, I, I guess her head slammed against the uh the door frame instead of like going through the door. So they yep. like, busted her head open like ah
1: We do have actually have an image of the aftermath if you want to find that.
0: Oh yes. Let me let me see here. Well, if I can find it, I would put it up here. Oh, here we go.
1: There you go. Oh, I mean, my goodness. That bruise just really says it all, done not it? Do you agree?
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, she didn't take that spot very well. Um, yeah. That that was... Uh, it almost kind of aesthetically kind of looked like the uh, the barbershop window thing with uh, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's That's your a- thoughts, obviously, in all this... The base of the toxic I- breaking up. I know you don't follow the NXT much, but what, what's your thoughts?
0: You know, I thought they were a very solid team. Uh, I thought they were a great heel team. I thought they worked really well together. I just think that whenever Mandy Rose got let go, Mm -hmm. it was kind of the writing on the wall at that point because, I mean, she was the figurehead of Toxic Attraction. And when you take her out of the equation, they're just a tag team. You know, I mean, they're very talented. They work well together, but they kind of needed Mandy there to kind of, like, be their leader and tie the whole gimmick together. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of, like, you know, let's talk about your crush, Angelina Love, for a second, right? Okay, so okay. The the beautiful people, like, we've, we've seen this kind of team um, quite a bit over the years, and uh, mm-hmm. it works. And Toxic Attraction was really good. They, they kind of had that beautiful people-esque type mean girl gimmick going yep. on. Um, I thought they were great at what they did. I'm, I'm disappointed to see that they were broken up. I don't think either one of them as singles wrestlers are going to make anywhere near as much of a mark as they would if they had stayed a tag team.
1: Interesting. Do you think any of them will get called up to the main roster or do you think they'll just basically stay in NXT? I
0: I don't think they're going to get called up anytime soon. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of NXT talent that should be called up at this point. I think breaker should be, should be brought up eventually. Uh, and to Aaron's point there, I'm not comparing them to the rockers. I'm saying aesthetically, it looked kind of similar. Yeah. With the barbershop window. But no, obviously they are nowhere near the level of the Rockers.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we there's actually a video somewhere online, I'll have to find it, where it's like a side-by-side, and the comparisons are so, so similar. You can just tell that Shawn Michaels has
0: actually put that segment together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's he's been there, he's done that, he's done the tag team breakup deal. If anybody knows the psychology behind it, it would be Shawn Michaels. Uh, definitely, definitely, but...
1: Obviously, on all serious notes, I do wish them well. Do you know what I mean? I hope they do get a big push, because I feel like they are two really good wrestlers.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're both individually very talented. Um, you know, I wish them well. I just, I've seen this happen before, man. I kind of think it's the kiss of death. I kind of do, but uh, hopefully I'm wrong about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, we shall definitely see. Right, so before we get into our main event, I'm going to have to speak about, obviously, wrestling with a paranormal yesterday. Have you not seen my
0: shoot interview on Haney? <laughs> I have not, but I understand that we have a clip of it that we can play if you would we- like to do so.
1: Of course. So we've got too many clips. off so for people who didn't tune in to Wrestle with the Paranormal, I went on a little rampage with uh, Mr. Haney here. So here it is. A clip. <sighs> Listen up, folks. New York's own Mike, the microphone has to scoop on next week's podcast on how Liam the Magician tries to fool the masses with so-called magic tricks. Ha! Mike's got scoop for you. His magic is about as real as a unicorn in Central Park. The big apple's about to wake up and smell the coffee.
0: Mike's about to expose the fraud, and there's nothing you can do to stop him. So find out on next week's podcast why Liam the Magician is faker than Debbie McGee's did. I'll see you then. So I have a question for you, uh, Liam. Is your magic faker than Debbie McGee's tits?
1: Really? Are we really going down this road?
0: (laughs) Do you have anything to say, uh, maybe to to Alex Haney or to to New York Mike?
1: Well, for starters, New York Mike can kiss my ass. That's for one. I'm really going right there because I'm really pissed off right now. Hey, right? Uh, you want to make fun of me? You want to take the piss out of me? Right, yeah? Let's just get one thing straight, yeah? I've said this once, and I'm going to say it again live on the air. I'm not going to be on a keyboard like you always do, yeah? I've done more for FM Wrestling in the months I've been here than you have ever. What, do you think you do because your little t-shirt designs makes you really, really good? Eh? I make- think that's a little snippet there. What do you reckon?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, when I first started hearing this, uh, the, these New York mic promos, I'm like, how in the hell is a Scottish guy sounding just like Taz? What can I like, say? Wh- what the was that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> man, it's just crazy. I mean, he sounds deadpan Taz. Like, it's it's... Amazing, like I've never heard that before. I've never heard a European do a New York accent like that.
1: Yeah, he's really good at voiceovers, but of course, the full (laughs) clip is live on our YouTube channel if you want to check it out. It's really really
0: remarkable. I I love to see you get feisty, Liam. I love to see that. I love to see you stick up for yourself and say, You know what? I'm not gonna take it anymore, and I'm gonna speak up and say my piece right now. I like
1: it. I love it. Right, and then should we get into our main event? Let's
0: do it. Yes. Let's get into the main event. The main event, put that quarter in, man. Let's get there this thing go, going. There go.
1: And just to clarify on Haney's comment, I'm not even gonna answer that. Haney, I'm gonna wait till AFW backstage to talk account face to so face. Screw <laughs> you, Haney. <laughs> right right then so for our main event we're obviously covering the nine lives of vince mcmahon now this is a documentary i've been wanting to cover since i think it was october didn't it come out last year
0: uh yeah it was a few months back yeah
1: so uh, nice to stopping by Stephen. appreciate Stephen. that
0: what's up my man my flesh and blood
1: which is will be on the show next week i believe
0: Yes, Stephen is going to be a guest on the Mr. Isaac solo show next week, um, which I'm going to hammer out some details and figure out what we're going to do, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what, we're, so what we're going to do is for our main event, we're going to take a deep dive into some of the talking points from uh, the documentary. So I know you've obviously seen it not long since, but to summarize, what did you reckon before we get into it?
0: You know... I thought this was okay. I thought it was a little bit lazy of ice, to be honest with you, because it kind of seemed to me like this was kind of like a clip show of like previous episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. (laughs) It's like they were constantly like taking clips from Dark Side of the Ring and like, okay, let's insert this clip from this episode. We'll tell you up in the right hand corner what episode it is. And then we'll just kind of have Brian Alvarez and Vince Russo, bro. Bro come in and just make a couple of comments about said clip and then move on to another clip.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think you've summarized that pretty pretty well, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll start obviously the first thing we obviously saw in the actual documentary was Vince refused to be in this documentary. Can we actually see why based on what we watched?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Vince McMahon is the kind of guy that he wants to control his own narrative, no pun intended, EC3. Uh, He needs to control his own narrative. He needs to own his own narrative. He needs to produce his own narrative. And if anybody else is going to do it, he's not going to be part of it. Like, if he ever does be part of one, it's going to be like an official WWE documentary on Peacock.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel. I think that's well said. So, so the first thing we're going to talk about from the thing is fulfilling a dream. Now, obviously, when it started, we showed you like his relationship with Vince Senior. I make sure I get that right. Um, what's your thoughts? Obviously, in this first little segment, obviously with Vince
0: and his uh, father. Well, I, I think it's pretty obvious where Vince gets a lot of his neurotic behavior. Uh, when you hear about his upbringing, I mean, it, he obviously was allegedly abused as a young man. Um, and uh, you know that, that that kind of stuff sticks with you, man. And I know that he said in previous interviews as well that he has ADHD and, yep. and that can kind of cause people's brains to go into hyperdrive and uh, be a little neurotic as well from time to time. So it, it's interesting to kind of see some of the things that Vince went through as a child not meeting his father until I think he was 12, uh, getting sent to a military academy and, like, you know, claiming that he was the only kid there that got (laughs) (laughs) court-martialed, which I can believe. You know, that sounds like a legitimate Vince McMahon thing. It just kind of gets you into the psyche a little bit of this complicated individual and why he ended up doing some of the things that he did later in life, uh, both good and bad
1: yeah yeah i mean obviously what, what did you think when obviously i mean this was surprising the thing was when he tried to get his like fathers loved you know trying to get in con- basically control of the, obviously wrestling what, what what did you think when it come to that
0: yeah i mean it, he obviously wanted to have total control over everything i thought it was interesting how they said that he had a, a discussion with his dad where his dad was like not wanting him to go after other other territories and he's like, look I bought this from you. It's mine now and you Mm -hmm. work for me. So do you want to be a part of what I'm doing or do you want to step aside and and I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyways? I just thought that was a very classic Vince move (laughs) based on everything we know that, you know, even his own father who he bought the company from, he's kind of bullying him around and saying, you know, you're going to get behind me, pal, or, you know, we're going to do things my way or you're going to hit the bricks.
1: And then uh, if I remember Riley, didn't his dad say, screw it off FM, something along them lines.
0: He just said, <laughs> yeah. okay, just, just just, go ahead. I think, was it still I think along he was. Lines? I mean, of course, I, I don't know anything about Vince Singer much, but, uh, you know, he was probably kind of in shock that his son was just kind of taking that hard line stance with him and was just like, well, you know, what am I going to do? Am I just going to lose my job and go home and spend the rest of my day staring at the wall? Or am I still going to be a part of this thing? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: obviously. When Vince obviously basically took control of the WWE F at the time, he obviously recruited Hulk Hogan in 1984 to become the larger and live superstar and top title holder. Now, looking back now, obviously we know Hulk pretty much had the, it was like an all-round type wrestler, had the physique, had the charisma. What do you think?
0: You know, Hogan was the, he became the prototype for the Vince McMahon style of wrestling, you -hmm. know, both aesthetically. And in the ring, I mean, he he's the prototypical WWF slash E guy. Big guy, um, a lot of charisma, uh, a lot of kind of slow brawling, not a lot of technical style wrestling, kind of more over-the-top uh, promos. You know, that that's what Hogan brought to the WWF at the time, and that, that's what Vince McMahon based his formula on for building stars for years to come. Until, which, you know, we'll get to it down the road in the 90s when he started having to go with smaller guys. But this was the Vince McMahon formula.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you actually think about it, all the wrestlers at the time were obviously job physique, were really up there. But as you mentioned, we will get into obviously obviously the changes. So, yeah, that's it for that part. So the second one is now the, the controversial or the controversy begins. Now, I'm going to mention a name here, which I thought was, John Stossel. Now, John Stossel was a guy who uh, didn't believe in the quote-unquote kayfabe. So he kind of went, I will not say rogue, but kind of went, wanted to prove people that wrestling was basically fake. So there's quite a lot to unpack here. But do you want to unpack a little bit of it?
0: Yeah. So John Stossel is one of those, uh, he he was always one of those uh, investigative journalists that was like investigating like fraud and that kind of stuff. He's still around today. Um, I think he hosts a show on Fox News here in the U.S. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, this was way, way, way before, you know, he became a super rich journalist. He was just kind of doing investigative reporting. And, uh, you know, he uh, was doing an expose about professional wrestling because a lot of people back in the 80s uh, still believed in kayfabe. They thought it was real particularly in the South. <laughs> There's a lot of people in this part of the country that thought wrestling was legitimate. Um, and when he went to a a WWF event and was backstage, and uh, <laughs> Vince apparently told Dr. David Schultz to go out and talk to him um, and asked him to stay in, in character in kayfabe, which, you know, when Stossel's like, yeah, I think this is fake you know, being real kind of arrogant, and Dr. D just slaps the shit out of him, and is like, is that fake? And then he gets up and he slaps him again. Is that fake? Does that feel fake to you? Yeah. And uh, Sossel just kind of slinks off um with ringing in his ear. I- I'd say he probably had trouble hearing for a few days after that, as hard as he was slapped. But, uh yeah, that that kind of turned into a big thing here.
1: Yeah, is this where the term, like, the slap what was heard around the world came from, if I remember yes. rightly? Yes, yes right. the slap okay. heard
0: around the world is what they called this, and it's it's been discussed many times over the years. Uh, I think they had a whole dark side of the ring episode about the slap heard around the world, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if I remember rightly, obviously uh, John tried suing obviously WWE for quote unquote damages and stuff like
0: that. I mean, <laughs> what can you say on that one? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I um. I read a, a quote online a few years ago from John Stossel saying that uh, he's kind of thankful that this happened in hindsight because he ended up buying like a uh, a villa in Italy uh, with the money that he got from the the settlement from Vince McMahon. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it worked out for uh, for Mister Stossel. Yeah, yeah, definitely did. What do you reckon to
1: the Eddie Mansfield? Because obviously he played a big role in the Stossel type interview because he kind of like was a guy who basically came clean about wrestling works. What's your thoughts when it comes to uh, Eddie?
0: Very controversial thing, and, and I've heard a lot of people criticize him over the years for this. I, I'm pretty sure I've heard Cornette dig into him pretty hard over the years <laughs> for for his participation in this. I mean, that was just something that you just didn't do back in those days. You didn't step over that line. You didn't give up kayfabe like that, uh, which is funny because wrestlers today have absolutely no sense of kayfabe at all. Period. But back then it was like, if you let somebody in on the backstage business, it, it just was, it was a terrible thing. Like you just couldn't do that. And, uh, everybody turned against you and hated you and thought you were running the business. So I think he was one of those guys that just kind of got blackballed after this. And, uh, you know, it was just a different time in wrestling.
1: Yeah yeah and obviously that was obviously one of the controversies, but the one which followed on was obviously the Jimmy Snooker and Nancy, obviously controversy. Now yeah I, I don't really know how to obviously start with this, so go ahead.
0: Yeah, so Jimmy Snooker dated a, a young lady named Nancy Nancy Argentino and mm-hmm. um, there there was an instance where she fell supposedly. Uh, To her death. And. um, It. it, it Was apparently not really. Considered to be an accident. I'm being careful about my words here. Because this Mm -hmm. is all allegedly. Mm -hmm. It was not considered to be an accident. Like it it was insinuated. That Jimmy Snuka. Forcefully caused her to fall. And for her life to end. Um, and, And we see here where it's discussed that uh, Jimmy Snuka was being questioned by police. Vince McMahon comes in with a briefcase, uh, leaves without said briefcase, and all of a sudden Jimmy Snuka is cleared.
1: <laughs> yeah, to, to obviously elaborate on that, I think there was also, it wasn't as documented either. There wasn't really much documentation, because obviously police have to document you know, everything, but this incident you're talking about, there wasn't much documentation. So I feel like this is like, I was, I'm thinking, it's really Vince bought it, bought it out?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very clear that uh, Vince offered them something to uh, make this all go away. <laughs> and it did. It went away for a couple of decades, and then uh, somehow the case got reopened, and he actually was brought to trial for murder. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Carry on. Yeah, so, I mean, the charges eventually did catch up to him. It was so late in his life that, you know, there wasn't really much you could do at that point to uh, serve justice. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that uh, was kind of like an old-school backroom dealing that uh, you couldn't get away with today. You know, there's just... (laughs) Too many people are in the know and we're kind of more of a surveillance culture and everybody has a cell phone and access to the outside world. But back in those days, there was a lot more backroom dealings where you could do things like that. You could do shady things like take a a briefcase full of money in there and make a problem go away. So this is just one of those things that you hear a lot about.
1: And apparently every wrestler says Snooker left WWE shortly after. Wasn't it 30 years after that he actually got basically charged with it as well? I believe.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he got charged with it when he was an elderly man um, and I think he died shortly after he was put on trial. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he got away scot-free and, and there was a clip of even his widow saying that Snoka himself mentioned that Vince came in, gave them money, and got him off the hook. So, <laughs> hey! It's
1: <Yeah>. just a... <laughs> a controversial woman. Not a good look, life.
0: that's for sure.
1: Not at all, not at all. Right, so we'll move on towards our next discussion, which is it's called Pattern of Behaviour. Now, after obviously the snooker trial, obviously he had to shift his focus back to WF. Now, obviously we see in uh, this documentary as well that he goes all out on obviously the first WrestleMania, which was basically bringing Mr. T, a lot like celebrities. I think that's probably best. Obviously, thing to say, really. I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on the first WrestleMania?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's Vince kind of setting the tone of his formula for WrestleMania, which has always been the intertwining of celebrities and mainstream popular culture with uh, sports entertainment. I mean, that's what he's done this with WrestleMania literally every year since its inception. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was kind of the jump off point for that. And I thought it was kind of interesting how they said that uh, WrestleMania was kind of not really on anybody's radar until Hulk Hogan and Mr. T made a, Last second appearance filling in as host on Saturday Night Live. And you, you see this little skit where Hogan and Mr. T come out. And uh, it, it looks like Mr. T's making out with like some dude on the front row, but I guess he's supposed to be choking him. And Hogan's like, It's going to be a T. Don't do that. It's going to be another lawsuit, brother. And it's just a very <laughs> cheesy, goofy looking scene. But apparently that scene kind of revitalized interest in WrestleMania. And they had a pretty significant boom in uh, viewership the next day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The one thing i always remember on that is where I f- can't remember who said it well, but it, literally this was like the do or die thing. It was either going to be a success or it'll be basically out of business. So, I mean, from a fan's p- p- perspective, you've got to give him credit, do you know what I mean, for at least banking on himself, really?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for all the things that we'll criticize Vince McMahon for, um, during this episode, because obviously he's got a long list of bad things. That's what this entire show is basically about. Um, he did a lot of good too, man. I mean, the guy was a genius at, at piecing all this together and creating this conglomerate in the entertainment business uh by taking old school principles of professional wrestling, mixing it with uh infusing it with popular culture-based entertainment, and it it it's turned into the uh kind of monolithic pro-wrestling entity that it is today, where most people, when they think about professional wrestling, they think about WWE. And it's because of Vince McMahon and his philosophy. So it's kind of a, a catch-22, kind of a, a double-edged sword here when it comes to Vince McMahon and his involvement.
1: Yeah, sorry. I'm, so I'm just reading the Alex Haney comment and says, that's why I struggle with the truth on this. Vice territories sort of contradict that by saying the other territories knew and even tried to stop it. Um, anything to add on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, th- there's always conflicting information here. <laughs> and I mean, sometimes you hear more of a pro Vince view. Sometimes you hear more of a pro territories view. And it just kind of depends on who you talk to, honestly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, after WrestleMania, unfortunately, controversy will come back involving a female referee known as Rita Chatterton. I don't know if I said that right name right or correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I've got to be honest, this... When I obviously heard her story on this, I was really, really sad because it was like... The gist of the story was that in order to get booked, she would have to do things. I'm going to say that in quotes, things. And I just thought... I re- it, Kind of in my stomach, churn I mean, what were your thoughts with this segment?
0: Yeah, I mean, this, this was pretty scummy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously... <sighs> It's sad to say this, but you have to throw in the caveat with any kind of like assault like this. It's kind of like a he said, she said kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I really hope this didn't happen. Um, But considering McMahon paid her off about a year or so, it wasn't even a year or so ago. I think it was just a couple months back that -hmm. this issue came back up again. It's not a good look for him man it really isn't but i mean this story's been around for a long time i mean you saw her on i don't remember what talk show it was but she was giving basically graphic details of her account about what happened here yeah. and uh, the fact that this was just kind of swept under the rug kind of kind of emblematic of the times really you know like sexual abuse and harassment and etc assault was just not taken as seriously back in those days as it is say now in 2023 and it's very very sad. So I'm I'm glad to see that she at least later in her life has gotten a, a pretty substantial amount of compensation yeah um, and, for her mental it, anguish but it's very disappointing that this happened.
1: Yeah, and part of the interruption there but obviously her story has now been obviously told, do you know what I mean? Instead of keep it to herself. I feel like that's a big, you know, plus as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: Right, so the next obviously talking point is enough obviously is of course the steroid' tri- <laughs> st- try that again the steroid trial this was kind of surprising when I saw this because it's like obviously we, we saw wrestlers like proper bumped on, like the, yeah these are clearly on steroids it's clearly obvious when you watch it but what can you obviously say when it comes to the steroid trial really
0: now Liam are you really gonna sit there and tell me? that the warlord didn't just hit the gym every day and looks no. good because he took protein powder. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you saw some of these big monsters. They look like circus freaks walking around back in like the eighties and the early nineties. I mean, the warlord looked like he was about to explode. Uh Hogan looked that way. I mean, obviously the road warriors, which they weren't in the WWE at the time, but these guys were just abnormally super huge, and it's just not natural. I'm sorry, you you can't just go to the gym, lift weights, and then take a little muscle milk and look like that. <laughs> like you're you've got to be enhanced with something else. And I think it's pretty clear that that was pretty abundant in the, uh, the WWF locker room back in the day.
1: Yeah, obviously the doctor George Zaharian obviously played a big part of that. It was kind of like. As, as they called it, they're sweet. What do you want? Oh, you can have this, you can have this, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on steroids. How dare you say that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Are you on this... the gas, Liam?
0: Is this what's not. going
1: on? I refuse to comment, and I am not, so, but anyway. <laughs> now, of course, obviously, it went to obviously trial, and they believed they had a solid case, and of course, one person who played a big part in this was Hulk Hogan, who I do believe at the time went to WCW. Yeah. Uh, we, he kind of like said shot on it up to be honest and but probably Vince was furious so I was a little bit confused with this little segment here.
0: Well, and Hogan being the walking contradiction that he is you know, had, had made some previous comments um, about steroids, said one thing and then went into the courtroom and said something completely different which basically discredited him as a uh, a witness for the prosecution. So I mean that that's typical Hulk Hogan for you. I mean, what you, what can you expect for the bass player of Metallica, right? Um <laughs> but yeah, he was in WCW at the time and this is what kind of caused the famous rift between Hogan and Vince where they basically didn't reconcile until uh the WCW purchase and uh Hogan came over at that point. But uh yeah, I mean it you it brings me to the quote from uh, from Jim Cornette, the, the great Kentuckian of I wouldn't believe him if his tongue was notarized. Yeah, I've well, I,
1: I, I like Jim Cornette, he's obviously in the documentary as well because he does speak a lot of sense. I mean, the guy's knowledge really speaks for itself. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I like Haney's comment here Hogan once wrestled 400 days in one year. <laughs> Well, <laughs> that sounds like something Hogan would say. Yes,
1: that is actually true. Uh, dear. Right. So next up is now it's something we've covered on the show before. It's, of course, the famous Montreal Screwjob. Oh, boy. Now,
0: let, a... Before we do this now, Aaron, you, you got to calm down, buddy. Get your hands off the keyboard and let us talk for a second. All right. Go ahead. Lee.
1: Yeah. So obviously we've, we've covered this. It's been covered to hell on the channel, but. Can we give it a bit of summarize, obviously, what happened with the Montreal Screwjob in this documentary?
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's obvious that the documentarian here was uh, taking Bret Hart's side because he he had mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Brent was asked to take less money uh, or leave and go to WCW. He chose to leave. So Vince was essentially pushing him out the door and then was like, well actually, since I'm pushing you at the door, you're going to do this my way too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, Brad didn't want to do that. It turned into the famous screw job that we've talked about on like a million episodes here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is kind of the turning point point in Vince McMahon from being just a uh, corporate guy who just did commentary and not really be known for much of anything outside of uh, his kayfabe role on the screen. Uh, and became like the evil Mister McMahon. Like he used this and capitalized off of this, and uh, really grew the business substantially as a result of the Montreal screw job.
1: Yeah, I'll always remember Bruce's Pritch- uh, Bruce Pritchard's comment on this. Is like the interview came across as cold and calculated. And I'm thinking when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, this this really does. But Vince ran with it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you got it to give him credit. He actually ran with it, and it obviously worked.
0: Have you ever watched that interview he did with JR?
1: Uh, I've seen part of it. Yeah. So I do obviously know. Do you know what he said? It was, a, so if I remember the quote, it was, there was a time on a tr- tradition and Brett didn't want to honor that tradition. And then he ends it with Brett screwed Brett from Brett,
0: I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that live. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just so fascinated because it was like, you, you didn't see like shoot things brought up on television. And it was just, it was so fascinating to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, we're not going to get into Montreal jobs so much because I feel like we've done so much on it. So we'll shall move along. That I think
0: for an exa- for an episode in the future, we need to find somebody who's like super anti-Brit and stick him with Canada Dry he or she with Canada to dry and just let them go back and forth for like an hour and a half. That would be
1: like an AFW backstage, <laughs> I believe. So,
0: but my apologies just proceed, Liam.
1: Now, ahead. So, it said Brett spoke to WCW. Vince got back, got him back, then fucked him over. Basically, best and worst thing to happen in wrestling. So, and then it said, uh, FMF says he wasn't in character, he was being himself. So, yeah, yeah i'd love to see that though somebody like an anti-brett thing because i'd feel like this would be super gold television
0: <laughs> uh, we, we got to make that happen we, right. we got a yeah. find. i don't know if there's anybody in the all Life and wrestling community right. that's like virulently anti-brett but if there is we need to have an episode where we right. put them side by side with canada dry and just let them go at it for like an hour i think that oh. would be brilliant
1: oh of course it would of course it would right so we'll shift our focus now to the next uh, talking point which was called Desperate Times. The interesting thing is with this is like Vince was was complaining that uh, WCW, because obviously this is the big part of the Monday Night Wars, was, oh, people stealing my talent. But then people's like, but that's what you did with the territory. So it's kind of (laughs) like you're getting your
0: just desserts in a way. I mean, what's your thoughts? Well, business, it goes full circle. (laughs) You know, if you employ ruthless tactics in the business world, you can't be surprised when those same ruthless tactics are then turned and used against you. And that's exactly what happened here. You know, uh, he took away all the territory stars because he paid them more money. And uh, WCW got into Ted Turner's checkbook and did the exact same thing to him. And he was pissed off about it, but uh, you really can't be though, because I mean, you literally did the same thing. That's just business. It's just the cycle of business.
1: Yeah, and it still just makes me laugh. That, but sorry, I'm there's like a bit of an ongoing feud in the comments. <laughs>
0: I do it a bigger, Brett fan than Aaron. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! Just, just the mere fact of saying that you're a bigger fan than Aaron, I think that in itself would produce an hour-long argument.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it probably would do actually. So, but we'll stick. We obviously the Monday night was now. Obviously during this time, WWE went quote unquote attitude era. Now this is where they did they basically pushed the boundaries. I mean the home invasion sticks to mind straight away. We've obviously Stone Cold <laughs> and Brian Pillman. They they went really really. That. Yeah, that's a good segment, <laughs> of course. But what was your thoughts obviously when they went to the attitude era from obviously a
0: fans' per- per- uh, perspective? Oh, it was great. <laughs> it was great because like. The WWE F at the time had gotten so cartoony uh, that it was just it was so stale. They had to do it or they were going to die. So when they kind of embraced crude popular culture, you know, we've talked about it before, uh, you know, South Park and uh, Jerry Springer and all that started getting really crazy. American culture really kind of became like an uncensored anything goes fiasco on television. And Vince McMahon kept his ear to the street, realized that's what people wanted and adjusted the WWE product to match that. And it was a brilliant move that ended up saving his company.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I agree that totally because this is when I obviously started watching wrestling myself. So this is all I actually knew. But looking back now, I feel like it was obviously a good move because look at the entertainment we've got. Yeah, there was going to be some things which is really controversial, but you look at, I, I kind of like look at more of the positives. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Attitude Era gets a lot of crap from people, and uh, I mean, there's things to criticize about the Attitude Era, but here's the thing, and I will, anybody that says modern wrestling is so much better than the Attitude Era, 10 million people watched Monday Night Raw in the late 90s. 10 million. (laughs) Do you know how many people watch it now? 2 million. Wow. <laughs> I mean they literally have lost 80% of their audience since the Attitude era. Literally. I mean that's astounding. Now they make more money because they have other 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 avenues of uh, revenue coming in, international TV deals, merchandising, all that kind of stuff. But as far as viewership goes, it's night and day between the Attitude era and today. And I would argue as well that the person who comes out first in the Attitude era gets as big, if not a bigger crowd reaction, than the main eventer that comes out now today.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great little thing to end on on that one. So we're gonna shift our focus to our next talking point. And it is, of course, <sighs> over the edge. Now, if I'm going to say one name with this, and it's really, really sad, it's caused the incident with Owen Hart, which is really – we don't need to really go into detail. We all know what happened, but the controversy surrounding this – continuing the show still bugs people to this day. I mean, what's your thoughts on this?
0: It was a bad look. Absolutely. I, I think the show should have been cancelled. Um, I think it was a bad look to continue. And I thought it was interesting how uh, Jim Ross um basically said that he wasn't briefed on anything, and then Kevin Dunn was like, well, haven't you didn't you know what was going on? And he, he said no. He's like, oh, well, Owen Hart died. Tell everybody. And he literally had like 10 seconds after learning the information to then relay it live on the pay per view to people. I mean, and I watched that pay per view. That was actually one that I bought and I watched live. It was just surreal to see, man. It was just horrifying.
1: Yeah. The one thing I was have recently started watching is obviously Jeff Jarrett's, you know, basically what happened on that actual day. And it is really, really sad, obviously, because. Jeff didn't know the uh, the thing was he only got told to do a promo. He didn't know until obviously he was obviously at the hospital. But the fact that the show carried on for me personally as a fan is absolutely disrespectful. And I do and I do not blame Martha Hart at all. Do you know what I mean for not putting him in the Hall of Fame
0: because I feel
1: like it's it's disrespect in
0: my opinion. I agree. Yeah, I mean I would like to see Owen Hart in the Hall of Fame, but um, you know I certainly don't begrudge her at all for having such a negative opinion of the WWE and not wanting him to be in their Hall of Fame. I mean, I I just, I get it. Uh, I understand it, and I don't blame her for it. Now, what is Aaron talking about, talking about Haney's ECW comment? What did I miss here? This one. WCW finished with more than Raw and Dynamite combined. Uh, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I mean, more people watched WCW at its worst than watch Monday Night Raw or Dynamite combined today. Because WCW had about 5 or 6 million weekly viewers. Um, Raw had about 10 million. That's way more than watches wrestling combined today. It's just not as big of a deal.
1: Yeah, this is, like I said, it's probably one of the most controversial things from my personal opinion. Do you know what I mean? So what can you really say about the Owen Hart thing? I mean, it's really sad looking back now that we lost probably one of the best talents i actually saw growing up do you know what i mean it's really really sad yeah
0: i mean owen uh, owen could have been world champion absolutely Uh, and i think that if he had lived uh and if he had somewhat stayed in good graces um i think he would have been world champion because i mean he was a world championship caliber guy and he was one of those uh you know, junior heavy. I think he was the first IWGP junior heavyweight champion in New Japan. I mean, he was just great at working that kind of style, and he would have fit in perfect in the transition of uh, the Attitude Era style of work to like the Ring of Honor kind of era. I mean, if he had lived into that era, I think he would have been a very big influence on a lot of those guys. And we might even see a much different in ring style today. It's a little more polished with the High Flyers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I said, it's. Probably one of the saddest things for me as a fan, but we miss you, Owen, do you know what I mean? We always do. Probably one of the best talents I've ever seen in the ring. <laughs> yeah, and no words on that one, to be quite honest. So so we've got two more talking points left. Now, this is called The Continuing Fight. Now, we're going to fast forward to 2006 where allegations at a tanning salon came to light. Do you want to explain to people what these are?
0: So, yeah, I mean, this is kind of getting to the modern uh, times here where we're we're starting to see all these allegations come out. They they mentioned one specifically about him going to a tanning salon and uh, (laughs) basically asking a a young worker there to take a picture of him and then uh, kind of accidentally showing nude photos to this lady and then trying to force himself on her. Um, it's just it's, it's classic alpha male predatory shitty behavior and I mean what can you say um, Yeah. and again this is one of those things where only the two of them are there so we don't know exactly 100% I mean it, it, I hate to even say that because it makes it sound like we just think it's, it's BS but uh, to be clear you have to admit that there were no charges filed here but uh, I, I, if he did this he's a scum of the earth basically yeah
1: this is the, the the way I looked at it with this is like it's David versus Goliath. I mean, the one thing I've got from watching the whole show is money seems to buy your way out of things. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 in a purely capitalistic society like we have here in the U.S., um, if you've got big money, you can pretty much get away with anything, literally. And this yeah. is a, a, a perfect case study in that. And I think sometime down the road, when people want to discuss uh, um, big corporate figures who have shady pasts that use money to get ahead, I think Vincent Mann is a perfect case study to look at in regards to that. And I yeah. think I see what Aaron's talking about here. Uh, the comment of uh, he took ECW and put big production behind it. Yeah. I mean, he ripped off a lot of ECW. The Attitude Era had a lot of ECW feel to it. Um, so, yeah. I agree with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, fully agree totally. So we've got one little thing left before we begin to wind down, which is, of course, Vince's WWE exit. Now, this is obviously <laughs> some well, sort of exit. I mean, obviously this obviously brought the internet that obviously Vince was stepping down. But for me personally as a fan, I didn't believe it. I knew he was going to come back to WWE in some way, shape, or form. But for you as a fan, obviously when it was announced, it was stepping away. I mean, what were your thoughts? I thought it
0: was surreal. Um, I mean, obviously, my entire life, I've equated WWE with Vince McMahon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so, I mean, it was just such a such a remarkable thing to, to think about the possibility of him not being there and being involved any further. And um, it was just, it, it, it was shocking. You know, it was, it was kind of like a tweet that he sent out late on a Friday afternoon, which was purposeful. You know, when you when you hold something to Friday afternoon, you're hoping that the news dies down before Monday morning so that mm-hmm. the writers are not scrambling to write big articles about it. So you're kind of it's it's a tactic. They're using it to kind of cool off a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, even in that, you could see that he didn't take it incredibly seriously. He was still trying to minimize the impact to his image.
1: Yeah. Do you think this is obviously not him taking it seriously? Or do you think this is like an ego type thing? Yeah.
0: I don't think he takes any of this seriously, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know the man personally or anything, but just based on what I've seen and how he reacts to things, I don't think he takes any of these allegations or anything seriously. I think he just thinks, uh, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know, if someone felt like they were wrong, I gave them money. That made it right. So everyone should just shut up about it and go on. Yeah.
1: I think that's a nice little thing to end there. So just to summarize, obviously, what we've obviously spoke about, how would you summarize the whole, basically, the, the whole documentary, if you could summarize it?
0: Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't learn anything in this documentary that I didn't already know. I mean, these are already very well-established things about Vincent Mann. I was kind of hoping that there was going to be something here about him and his upbringing or what have you that I hadn't heard before. Mm-hmm. uh but these stories are all stories that i had heard before and and kind of like i said initially when we started this it was almost like a cut and paste job yeah like they went and just kind of spliced together a bunch of clips from dark side of the ring of various things that they had already talked about and just you know like i said had one or two commentators add like an extra sentence or two onto it pertaining to vince mcmahon himself personally in relation to whatever the clip is about and i just thought it was kind of lazy like i I wasn't a huge fan of this documentary, I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that. I considered it like a compilation video of obviously Dark Side of the Ring because a lot of the stuff is from Dark Side of the Ring. But it, as you mentioned there, it's stories we've already known. It's just kind of like putting it all into like one you know, documentary. But yeah, it, I think that's... Sorry,
0: it God. was like if you compiled like a greatest hits of like a band uh, for Vince McMahon, like evil things. Like this this is Vince McMahon's greatest hits of bad stuff that he's done.
1: Yeah. Or as Haney said, or maybe outside what we know, there is nothing too more much more to it. I mean, could be. Could be.
0: It's a possibility. None of yes. us will there. So
1: there you we, go. Just, we
0: can just speculate based on documentaries and articles and uh, you know, anecdotal um interviews uh provided by people that were around him at the time. I mean, that's basically all there is to it. That is true. That is true. So I think
1: that pretty much covers our episode today. So don't forget, you can head to FNWrestling.com. You can find all our social medias on there. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on uh, on Spotify. We're on Facebook. We're pretty much everywhere, right? Would you agree?
0: We are everywhere that you could possibly find podcasts. And uh, we appreciate everybody's support out there. Um, Keep watching the Magic of Wrestling. Keep supporting us. We're going to keep churning out good content for you.
1: Of course, of course, and of course, if you like t shirts, we've got loads of t shirts. You can head to pro wrestlingteas.com forward slash effing wrestling. You can buy yourself a magic of wrestling one, or you can wait and get like a free one sometimes. That's a different story. You can get a uh, of the paranormal t shirt, you can get the all effing wrestling shirt. We've got we've got shirts
0: absolutely everywhere, right? Would you agree? We've got a lot of shirts, and let's not forget, Liam, that if you are a fan of old school wrestling. You can go to the All F and Wrestling page and buy a T-shirt of Adrian Adonis.
1: I love that. By the way, that's why I didn't interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's brilliant. And don't forget, you can tune into the All F and Wrestling show tomorrow, where they are doing a Super Bowl of Love. I'm kind of curious <laughs> to see how this one ends up.
0: That is going to be uh, fascinating. Now, I'm curious, because I think I heard Dollywood's going to be on the show, but I, did you watch Dynamite After Dark, Liam? I did. Did you see Black Dollywood? Yes, and I do believe that is the person who's on the show tomorrow, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. I, I look forward to that. That's going to be interesting.
1: Of course, of course. Thanks for obviously tuning in. On behalf of the magician and the effing expert, I'm... Thank you for listening. Magic Man out. the outro.
0: Let me click the outro here, and cut me off guard, sorry. Goodbye, everybody.